0: CHAPTER Twenty Six of the Benefactress by Elizabeth von Arnim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor, Oxford, UK. Looking up from her breakfast the morning after the fire to see who it was riding down the street, Frau Manske beheld Delvig coming towards her garden gate. Her husband was in his dressing-gown and slippers, a costume he affected early in the day, and they were taking their coffee this fine weather at a table in their roomy porch there was therefore no possibility of hiding the dressing-gown nor yet the fact that her cap was not as fresh as a cap on which the great Delvig's eyes were to rest should be she knew that Delvig was not a star of the first magnitude like herr von lohm but he was a very magnificent specimen of those of the second order and she thought him much more imposing than axel whose quiet ways she had never understood Delvig snubbed her so systematically, and so brutally, that she could not but respect and admire him. She was one of those women who enjoy kissing the rod. In a great flutter she hurried to the gate to open it for him, receiving in return neither thanks nor greeting. "'Good morning, good morning,' she said, bowing repeatedly. "'A fine morning, Herr Delvig.' "'Where's Klutz?' he answered curtly, neither getting off his horse nor taking off his hat. "'Oh, the poor young man, Herr Delvig, she began with uplifted hands, "'he has had a letter from home, and is much upset. "'His father—where is he?' "'His father? "'In bed, and not expected to—' "'Where is Klutz? I say, young Klutz. "'Herr Manske just stepped down here a minute. "'Good morning. I want to see your vicar. "'My vicar has had bad news from home, and is gone.' "'Gone?' this very morning poor fellow his aged father i don't give a curse for his aged father what train the half-past nine train he went in the post-cart at seven delvig jerking delvig jerked his horse around and without a word rode away in the direction of stralsund i'll catch him yet he thought and rode as hard as he could what can he want with the vicar wondered frau manske a rough manner but i doubt not a good heart said her husband sighing and he folded his flapping dressing-gown pensively about his legs klutz was on the platform waiting for the berlin train due in five minutes when Delvig came up behind and laid a hand on his shoulder what are you going to jump out of your skin Delvig inquired with a burst of laughter klutz stared at him speechlessly after that first start waiting for what would follow his face was ghastly. "'Father so bad, huh?' said Delvig heartily. "'Nerfs all gone, what? Well, it's enough to make a boy look pale to have his father on his last.' "'What do you want?' whispered Klutz with pale lips. Several persons who knew Delvig were on the platform and were staring. "'Why?' said Delvig, sinking his voice a little. "'You have heard of the fire? I did not see you helping, by the way.' "'You were with von Lohm last night. "'Don't look so frightened, man. "'If I did not know about your father, "'I'd think there was something on your mind. "'I only want to ask you. "'There's a strange rumour going about.' "'I am going home.' "'Home, do you hear?' said Klutz wildly. "'Certainly you are. "'No one wants to stop you. "'Who do you think they say?' "'Set fire to the stables.' "'Klutz looked as though he would faint.' "'They say Loam did it himself,' said Delvig in a low voice, his eyes fixed on the young man's face. "'Klutz's ears burnt suddenly bright red. "'He looked down, looked up, looked over his shoulder in the direction from whence the train would come. "'Small, cold beads of agitation stood out on his narrow forehead. "'The point is,' said Delvig, who had not missed a movement of that twitching face, "'that you must have been with Loam till nearly the time when—' "'You went straight to him after leaving us?' Klutz bowed his head. "'Then you couldn't have left him long before it broke out. "'I met him myself between the stables and his gate five minutes, two minutes before the fire. "'He went past without a word in a great hurry, as though he hoped I had not recognised him. "'Now, tell me what you know about it. "'Just tell me if you saw anything.' It is to both our interests to cut his claws. Klutz pressed his hands together and looked round again for the train. Do you know what will certainly happen if you try to be generous and shield him? He'll say you did it, and so get rid of you and hush up the affair with Miss Estcourt. I can see by your face you know who did it. Everyone is saying it is Loam, but why? Why? Why should he? Wa-? "'Why should, should he burn his own?' stammered Klutz, in dreadful agitation. "'Why? Because they're in ruins and well-insured. "'Because he had no money for new ones, "'and because now the insurance company will give him the money. "'The thing is so plain. I am so convinced that he did it.' They heard the train coming. Klutz stooped down quickly and clutched his bag. "'No, no,' said Delvig, catching his arm and gripping it tight. I shall not let you go till you say what you know. You or Lohm to be punished? Which do you prefer? Klutz gave Delwig a despairing, hunted look. He, 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 he began, struggling to get the words over his dry lips. He did it? You know it? You saw it? Yes, yes, I saw it. I, I saw him. Klutz burst into a wild fit of sobbing. armer Junge cried dellwig very loud patting his back very hard it is indeed terrible one's father so ill on his deathbed, and such a long journey of suspense before you and sympathising at the top of his voice he looked for an empty compartment hustled him into it pushing him up the high steps and throwing his bag in after him and then stood talking loudly of sick fathers till the last moment i trust you will find herr papa better than you expect he shouted after the moving train don't give way don't give way that is our vicar he exclaimed to an acquaintance who was standing near an only son and he has just heard that his father is dying he is overwhelmed poor devil with grief to his wife on his arrival home he said my dear teresa a mode of address only used on the rare occasions of supremest satisfaction my dear teresa you may set your mind at rest about our friend lome the miss will never marry him and he himself will not trouble us much longer. And they had a short conversation in private, and later on at dinner they opened a bottle of champagne, and explaining to the servant that it was an aunt's birthday, drank the aunt's health over and over again, and were merrier than they had been for years. End of chapter 26